0: Hallelujah, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. You may be seated. You probably noticed on your calendar this morning that in addition to it being the sixth Sunday of Easter, it's also Mother's Day. And I wanted to say a brief word about this holiday in a world that has so confused gender roles, and what it is to be a mother and a father. The scriptures give us an overwhelming case that it is God himself who has established the divine office of motherhood. I've been reading through the Old Testament here in the last couple of weeks since we finished uh, our Gospels reading over the season of Lent, and I'm always struck when I read the books of Moses, Genesis through Deuteronomy, how often it is said of God that he is the one that opens the womb and gives the gift of life. We live in a time and place where we think that we are in charge of our reproduction, that, God, that, we, that we've kind of cut God out of the equation. We can decide when and where to have children and all of these things. But the scriptures are clear. It is God who gives the gift of children. No more important place can be seen is when God himself opens the womb of the Virgin Mary and gives her a son, the Christ, who is our Savior. God also speaks volumes about this office, enshrining and protecting it with the fourth commandment. We hear in that commandment, honor your father and your mother. With that word, honor, God is placing fathers and, for our purpose this morning, mothers right next to himself in terms of the glory and honor that are due to them because of their office. That he has put his authority into mothers in order to raise and care for their children. And so you who are mothers in our congregations, know that the Lord himself has established your office and will provide for you, will forgive you in your shortcomings, but will also crown you with glory and honor here in this life through the gift of children that he's given to you as a heritage, but also in the life to come. And so today, when we hear about praying, pray for your moms. And now to our text. I'm always fascinated by the notion that prayer is something that must be taught. It doesn't come to us naturally. I think we normally think that it does, but when, the, when it gets down to it, we see that that's not really the case. Think about it. When was the last time you were given the opportunity to pray in front of a big group of people at some event or something like that? How many of you were just super excited and were jumping at the opportunity to do that? Or when you're sitting around, I see some head shaking. See, I'm validated in my point. (laughs) Thank you. It seems also that when we're sitting around the table at Thanksgiving and it comes about that time to pray, you know, everything's out and you're kind of, the conversation's lulling and we know that it's time to pray. You notice if you look around, a lot of heads uh, start to kind of, cast down a little bit towards the plate uh, or if the pastors there maybe they'll turn towards him nobody wants to pray in that setting I've often heard it said when people are asked to pray in occasions like that that they just don't know what to say this is actually why the disciples in Luke chapter 11 go up to Jesus and they say Lord teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. Even these disciples, who were grown men, who had been raised in the faith, did not know how to pray. Prayer must be taught. So, the first thing that we must recognize about prayer, in terms of our often reluctance to do it, is that it is actually the duty of every Christian to pray. In the second commandment god says you shall not misuse the name of the lord your god what does this mean we should fear and love god so that we do not curse swear use satanic arts lie or deceive by his name but call upon it in every trouble pray praise and give thanks with this commandment god gives us his name and he gives it to us so that we may call upon him in prayer Now we know from the other commandments that God's wrath is kindled if we worship other gods or if we disrespect the Sabbath day or if we murder or if we commit adultery or if we steal. It is worth noting that God puts the commandment to pray right among all of those two. To pray then, as the second commandment teaches, is to call upon God in prayer. This is what God requires of us. He does not leave it to our personal, our individual choice. It is our duty, it is our obligation to pray if we want to have the name Christian and be considered followers of Jesus. Just like it is our duty and obligation to honor our mothers. It would be improper. For a son to say to his mother or father, what is the use of obedience, of being obedient? I'll do what I want. What difference does it make? But here stands the commandment. It's not left to my choice whether or not I can pray, but I must do it because God has commanded me to do it. Now, it might be tempting to leave praying to your pastor. He gets paid to do that, right? He's been trained. He went to seminary. He ought to know how to pray. Now, I don't want you to mishear me on this. It is good for you to ask me to pray for you. In fact, I really love to do it. I often pray for the congregation as a whole and for you as individuals as different concerns and reasons arise. But the fact of the matter is this, that my prayers are not any holier or of better quality than yours. God is not more pleased by my prayers because I wear the collar than he is for you if you wear a blue collar or a white collar or whatever kind of collar or no collar at all. God does not care that I'm a pastor and thus does not hear my prayers any more than he hears yours. So, God's commandment stands for you, too. This is one of the reasons that we probably shouldn't go along with the unbiblical practice of praying to the saints, by the way. The idea there is that we're asking them to pray for us in our various needs, right? Well, their prayers are not any holier than ours. And on top of that, we also don't have the command or the promise that they either hear our prayers or are even concerned about us in that way. So remember, God has commanded each of us to pray. There's another thing to remember about prayer that God has given to us. So we've talked about the command to pray. God has said, we must do this. But I believe the greater reason for prayer is that God has also promised to hear our prayers. In our gospel reading for today, Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Until now, you have asked nothing in my name. Ask, and you will receive that your joy may be full. In his epistle, St. James says, "You You do not have because you do not ask. In the same letter, James says later on, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. Psalm 50 says, Call upon me in the day of trouble, I will deliver you, and you shall glorify me. In Luke, Jesus says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be opened. Think about all of the examples in Scripture of answered prayer. Our Old Testament reading provides us with a really good one. God turned away his wrath from the people of Israel in response to their prayers and in response to the prayers of Moses. Solomon asked God for wisdom to rule his people, and now we know Solomon as one of the wisest rulers that mankind has ever seen. But beyond these biblical examples of prayer... Consider the prayers that you know that have been answered in your own experience. Since it's Mother's Day, I'll use this one. I remembered that when Andrea and I were early on in our marriage, before any of our children had arrived, we were a little bit nervous that things weren't happening as we thought they should, and we asked God to give us the gift of children. And it seemed for a while that God was deaf to our prayers but lo and behold now we have naomi colin and theodore god has promised to hear our prayers so what prayers of yours has god answered so with that in mind let's talk now about what it means to pray with all your heart as the scriptures often command us you know the desires of your heart and we also know from the scriptures that God wants to hear them. So for instance, how many of you ask your children questions just to get them to talk to you? At dinner, we have this routine where we will ask the kids, you know, how was your day at school? And usually we get the the famous one-word answer. Oh, it was fine. Oh, it was good. And then we sort of have to coax more details out of them. Well, what was good about it? What was fine about it? What's something fun you did today? What's something you learned? I see some other kids smiling, so this is not just at our house, which is good. But why do parents do this? Why are we so concerned about the days that our children have had? I know that when I ask my kids those questions, they're probably not going to answer anything that's earth-shattering or surprising. So why do we do it? we do it because we love our kids. We want to hear from them. And likewise, God, who is our Father in heaven, invites us as his dear children to call on him as children call upon their earthly fathers and mothers. So, likewise, God does not limit you to the number of times or the number of things that you can ask for him in prayer. But, just like your parents, that they know that giving you candy for every meal is probably not a good thing for you. They're not going to give you anything that's harmful to you, hopefully. God the Father, in the same way, is not going to give you anything that might harm you or your salvation later on. But ask, God has promised to hear your prayers. And because God has commanded you to pray and promises to hear and answer you, this should be quite enough reason for us to want to call upon him in prayer, praise, and thanksgiving. But, as they say on TV, there's more. God has given us more with this gift. Here again, Jesus' words from our gospel reading. In that day, you will ask in my name. And I do not say to you that I will ask the Father on your behalf, for the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. So God has commanded you to pray. He's promised to hear your prayers, but now he gives us even more rationale as to why we should. He says it is because the Father himself loves you. After all, Jesus' Father is your Father. St. Paul writes in Galatians 4, When the fullness of time had come, God sent his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who are under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of his Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son than an heir through God when Jesus was raised from the dead he was speaking to Mary Magdalene and he said I am ascending to my father and your father to my God and your God this is a conferral of a status change upon the disciples of Jesus not just the 11 or the women there at the tomb but to all who follow our Lord when Jesus was was killed on the cross and then raised from the dead We were made participants in his death and resurrection by our baptism. And in the waters of the font, you have been made God's sons and daughters. And so, because God the Father loves you, and then he knows everything that you need, even before you pray for it, and that he also gives us his spirit, who Paul says in Romans 8, is praying for us, even in all of those things, God is there to hear and answer our prayers because he loves us. We know that when we pray the Lord's Prayer, for instance, that God is pleased with these petitions and wants us to pray them because he himself has commanded us to pray in this way. When Jesus teaches the disciples the Lord's Prayer, he says, "When you pray, say this: Our Father, who art in heaven." And so, we know that God is pleasing is pleased to hear that prayer from us. Indeed, the Lord's Prayer contains everything that we might need or want in prayer. So let the world mock us for our prayers, which they often do in these gray and latter days, but we can pray in confidence. We can pray the Lord's prayer in confidence, knowing that Jesus himself would have us pray in this way. For when a Christian prays, dear father, thy will be done, God looks at us from on high and he smiles at us and he says, yes, dear child, it shall be done because I have promised it despite what the devil and the world and even your sinful flesh say. So what a wonderful gift this gift of prayer is that God has given to us. Yes, God has commanded us to pray, but he has also promised to hear our prayers. We have all this evidence from scriptures that God answers prayers, but we also have the examples of our own lives as Samples of God's graciousness towards us. We know that God gives, will not give us those things that are harmful to us or harmful to our salvation. But what he does give to us, he gives to us out of his fatherly divine goodness and mercy toward us without any merit or worthiness in me. This is the true love that our heavenly father showers upon us because Christ has reconciled us to the Father by his all availing sacrifice and death at the cross, we know that the Father truly loves us. This means that our baptism into Christ, as the scriptures tell us, make God our Father, and that we may address him thusly in prayer. And so dear saints, let us approach our God daily, And let's approach him often in prayer, knowing that he has invited us to call upon him. Ask him, as dear children ask their dear father, not just because he has commanded to pray, but he has promised to hear you. Alleluia. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. And now the peace of God, which passes all understanding, Keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus our Lord.